Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizapia here with you on the show. It is the 17th of June, 2020. Plenty to unpack here on the program. Our good friend Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm is going to join us, give us some potential tips on the fantasy football season. Of course, Joe will have those as well. We'll go through some fantasy odds for 2020, and we're going to spend some time really looking at uh, what the potential is for Colin Kaepernick in the future. But Joe, as always, uh, we lead off with the uh, non-baseball season to start the show uh, once again this morning. So uh, plenty to dive into here on this one as uh, I'm providing some context here more than I have uh, today on the show. So what's going on? Well, I love context and I hope you can provide us with some context and perspective. All of those words are awesome. I love all those things. I don't think there's ever enough of those things for any of us to have. So I look forward to what it is you have to share with me and the viewers today. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I tweeted it out yesterday. Uh, look, at some point, you know, it, it's going to happen with me being in, in baseball that I'm going to, you know, basically uh, be told directly what's going on. And um, and look, it, it's very sad for me to not have baseball. It's sad to be doing the show. And I've expressed that to different people in baseball as well. And uh, And I was told unequivocally yesterday, Joe, that no matter what is going on right now, that there will be some form of a baseball season this season. Now, I, you know, a lot of people ask me as a follow up to that, you know, how many games, what are you here? And, 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 and again, when it comes to social media and it comes to Twitter and very similar to you, I, I think in some degree, except for, of course, I'm you know covering a, a baseball team every day is I don't tweet to tweet. Yeah. So so uh, and, and and again, if you tweet to tweet, maybe you're getting paid to do it and your organization wants you to. Um, and that's fine. And, you know, and and I don't begrudge anybody for that, although it's been driving me crazy over the last couple of months. But what I what I would say is that when I put something out there, I could be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I'm not doing it just to say something. I'm doing it because there's information there and there's something based on that. And so in the case of yesterday, I was told, Joe, that uh, there's going to be a season. And the the word the key word that I was given yesterday, and again we're talking about high level people here. We're not talking about just you know me you know speaking to one of the players in baseball. I mean it's got to go above that. Uh, was the word eventually? Eventually it's mm-hmm. going to get done. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. We'll be talking to Gray Albright on Friday. We probably won't know again. Uh, but eventually there is going to be a season. Now look, the the other part of this is that clearly with players and the virus testing positive, all of these things can be derailed. So I do have to use my little asterisk there like we do on, um, you know, on maybe some of the steroid guys, which <laughs> which which essentially means that, look, you cannot hold me to this if the world is, you know, testing positive at a 15 percent rate again. I know it's under 10, but if it, if it gets crazy again, you got to understand that that's probably a wrap. But I but I do firmly believe at this point, based on what I'm told, that there will be some sort of agreement. So that put me in the mood to send that out yesterday in case. Well, I, and uh, we did not miss it and we did talk about it and actually use your tweet on a segment in diamond bets this weekend too, because Craig Mish does not just tweet for the sake of tweeting. And that's exactly what I said on diamond bets. I said, that's exactly the point is that if it's coming from Craig, he has a very, very good source who's close enough that he trusts for this kind of information. And you're not a willy nilly tweeter. We all know that you hate hot take things as well. We all know that. So I think that that is obviously a positive. And, and I think when you start to peel into the situation, we kind of touched on it yesterday. I said, this feels a lot like leverage. It feels a lot like they're waiting it out and they're trying to give themselves the best situation they possibly can from the point of view is we're going to play as few games as we possibly need to. We're going to play a postseason, which is where we're going to make some money. And we're going to make sure we leave zero amount of time for any sort of uh, grievances to be filed on the back end for back pay. And you know what? I mean, they are covering all their bases. The the owners are definitely using this scenario to get a jumpstart on the 2021 CBA negotiations. Make no mistake about it. They've been trying for years to break the union a little bit, and they have been mostly unsuccessful in doing so, but they're going to keep trying. And what I was trying to get everybody to understand is to greed has been a part of baseball 
since the inception of baseball. Anybody who knows anything about this game knows that the old club owners back in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, I remember talking about this with John Thorne once on the radio, there was always this massive greed and massive money stealing and things going on. Then you have the 1919 White Sox scandal where Charlie Comiskey is not paying his players appropriately. So what do they do? They go out there and they make a deal with gamblers to get paid. This has always been greed. There's always greed on ownership side. There's also greed in the player side too. But from the ownership perspective, you can go back to the uh, the, the fight with Marvin Miller and Kurt Flood. You can go yeah. back into baseball and look for the greed of the reserve clause where we can hold players and do whatever we want with them. And it was, you know, this kind of indentured servitude, basically. Uh, you can even go back to the mid 80s when you're talking about collusion, when that was proven. There is always and will always be some sort of enormous greed factor when it comes to the ownership and business of baseball. Yet at the same time, we have this weird romantic poetic idea about baseball and the game because it's part of our American fiber. It's Jackie Robinson. It's it's incredible moments uh, that tie cities together. It's things that tie this country together at certain moments. It's post 9-11 flying that flag and seeing the NYPD and NYFD at Shea Stadium on the field. And yet at the same time, you can't have one without the other. They always have gone hand in hand. And I think it's for all time for all of us to kind of grow up, you know, and we're on the precipice of another long gone summer, ironically, just like the 30 for 30 we all watch, where, yeah, most of the summer is going to be gone and most of baseball is going to be gone. But kind of like you said, eventually they will come back because there's money to be made on both sides. And in the end of the day, greed is what feeds it all. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're billion dollar uh, ownerships and billion dollar teams and um, the sport uh, is is very uh, it's very healthy financially, but not very healthy as it uh, pertains to public relations. I mean, that's that's for sure. I mean, there's no arguing that. I just can't believe how uh, this continues to go on, and it, and and we'll cover it here for you. Uh, but again, uh, from when there's actual news and there's a point of view, that's what we'll provide to you. And listen, maybe we'll be sitting here tomorrow. We'll have some results. I think I think we're we're coming. I've said this a hundred times. So here's 101. I think it's happening soon. <laughs> I think it's happening. <laughs> it's still going to be the one week where Gray Albright's like, you know what? I'm going to take it. I can't no, do it. You know, I'm not doing it. That'll be, tell him that'll be the week where this happens. But it's, you know, it's, it's inevitable. It's also unfortunate. You know, we're in this weird place right now where we keep waiting and the sides going back and forth. I mean, it's not happening behind closed doors anymore because that's not what things happen. There's also nobody... You know, the commissioner position has really developed over time into an absolute, genuine, serious, one-dimensional mouthpiece for ownership. It used to be kind of for the greater good of the game, or at least in those guidelines. But I think the last guy that ever had that kind of idea was probably Faye Vincent, and we all right. know what happened to him. And ever since then, I think you look at who took over after that, Bud Selig, a former owner. And, and I think that's constantly moved from Bud Selig on into another position here where the commissioner's position is basically just, look, you know, I don't ever do what's best for America, what's best for the game, whatever. No, no, no. It's what's best for business. And there's nothing wrong with that. But all of us have to kind of grow up here. And if it says the demographics will tell you that the average age of the baseball fan is 57 years old. That's an old demographic. We're old enough at 57 years old, those of you who are the average age of the baseball fan, to grow up and realize this. And if you want baseball back, when it comes back, you will watch baseball. And if you don't, you won't. But are they growing no new fans? No, of course not, because they have no product it, on the field. That number that you gave and that figure is interesting to me because as a reporter and somebody who covers the game, the last thing that I like is when somebody, uh, you know, challenges me to something that's factual or something that I know is true. And it happens a lot. You can't take people on social media all that seriously. But I have to tell you that I don't believe I, I mean, I'm sure it is true that that is the demographic. It is very hard to believe that that is the demographic. And if it is, that is scary. But I have to tell you, Joe, I I, I don't buy that. I mean, I, I'm sure it's true. And I'm not knocking the reporter who came out with that number. But that seems ridiculous. Fifty seven. It seems ridiculous. Fifty seven. So that means there's I don't more people at 70 that care than at 20. I, I don't know. It just um I, I, because I you don't do see them at the ballpark doesn't mean they don't care. I have to do a deeper dive into that. But look, I'm, I'm sure it is valid. I'm sure it is accurate because no one's going to throw numbers out there that aren't. But it, it could be easily disproved like that in a piece that's that they went and did the research. I think it's tough to to, to put I, that I out there knowing you're going to get slammed nowadays that. because it's so easy to refute numbers. But 
I did read the piece. And it, it, it was it had context to it. It had it had research behind it. And I, I think we all think of what we see at the ballpark. And you're someone who's at the ballpark all the time. And I think that's very different than most of us. But I think most of the demographic who is home watching Major League Baseball on a Friday night is probably more in their 50s than in their 20s. Oh, I think yeah, no, it wouldn't have surprised me if you said the average is 48 or 49 or 50, 51, and I would have said that's exactly what baseball wants. You say no, I say yes, because they're the ones with the credit card. So <laughs> I, I, I so, do say yes. So, I, so I, I, I mean, that is perfectly fine, but when you're hitting 60, I mean, that, that's a different story there. I mean, you're talking about a dying uh, breed of people, not dying, but, you know, fate. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> If you're 57 and you're out there, you're perfectly fine. You're fine. fine. Well, by the way, too, I saw, speaking of of good news, I saw a BBC report that came out that said they found some really positive tests going forward with a low-dose special kind of steroid really working against COVID-19. And I thought, oh, my goodness, look, steroids might bring back baseball somehow after all. That's that's all these years. Rafael Palmero said, "All I wanted was to have something for the virus." In 25 years, when it comes out, we'll that's, be ready. That's but what I was doing. Out. I was. I'm here to revive baseball and bre- watch. Read my lips. <laughs> there will be baseball. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a full conversation, and I know that for some people, it's it's not comfortable. And 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 look, there's it's a divided country with all of this. But look, the legitimacy of Colin Kaepernick as a, a professional quarterback has been there. It was unfortunate the last few years that he had to sit on the sidelines. The NFL has certainly apologized for that. They have paid this man, too. So we are going to do a little bit of a deeper dive as to where he could potentially land. But certainly I want to mention it here at the top of the show, Joe, that uh, Roger Goodell essentially is encouraging a team to sign Kaepernick. It's worth mentioning here right at the top. It sure is. And it's funny. Where did I hear that that monologue? I heard it on a network somewhere. Oh, wait, it was this show with you. Craig Mish was a diamond bet. No, no, it was not Diamond Bets. It was definitely Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and that other guy. And I will tell you this, I agreed with you then. I agree with you now. And I would not be – I think what we happen. were boiling it down to is, does he deserve an opportunity? Nobody deserves a job. But people with talent and track record certainly deserve at least an opportunity. And that's kind of the drum you were beating and not just two days ago. So if you missed it and you don't believe us, go listen on demand. Clearly – uh, Roger Goodell and people in the office are, are watching. They, they are on the grid. And, and by the way, I want to say uh, our good buddy John Sheeran, who comes on the show, the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook, um, that would be something I would love to see on FanDuel. Uh, Kaepernick's ah. team. I, I bet that would be because we're going to do that today, but we don't have odds. And I would guess we got about 48 hours until that thing pops up on FanDuel. I, I mean, that's that's something that a lot of people, I think, would like to get involved in so hopefully we'll have that for you as well but coming up next it's this day in fantasy sports history and our fantasy sports birthdays we've got a ton to get to so make sure you stay tuned stay on the grid right here on sports grid also hopefully you are enjoying uh different ways to watch our show we've we've talked to you about pluto tv zumo tv and stir s-t-i-r-r those are all apps that you could download now we're on Roku TV as well. And by the way, Roku is free. The app is free on your iPhone or Android, and we have our own channel on there, so make sure you check it out. We're back with more Fantasy Sports today after that. In-game live. But I do think it's interesting. You talk about the Browns as eight-and-a-half win total. You mentioned their odds to win the division. Yes, no on the playoffs idea. Um, if Baker takes a huge step, I think there's crazy Baker odds to be MVP. We're not talking much about Kareem Hunt. And how good he was for many years. It creates what I think is a much better situation in Cleveland than last year. Catch the program every single day on FNTSY Radio and on the SportsGrid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is June 17th, 2020. As we head toward the midweek, we've got NASCAR coming up, of course, golf and uh, some KBO action and hopefully some other sports heading back to you as well. And Joe, we're going to dive into uh, June 17th's fantasy sports history and some birthdays as well. I think we got a good list put together for everybody today. We do. And actually, this day in reality, not in fantasy sports, I no longer have two elementary age school children. 
my oldest daughter uh, graduated from elementary school, moving on to, I have official, thank you, a official intermediate schooler, not quite middle school yet, but uh, now I've got two kids in two different schools. I was spoiled for a little window there, Craig. I know you kind of know what this is like. I feel like the next six years before they're back in the same school at the same time, I don't know what to do with myself or how that's going to work with all the different schedules and all the different things. But uh, I guess now I'm in that next level parenting. I guess we're going to find that out. But yeah, uh, not not as not as easy for sure. That's that's, that's what <laughs> I will say. I'm going to get a hat, right? I heard that's it's back, you yeah, are. a lot of back and forth. And you know, um, in my case, it's you know, I'll I'll pick up one, my wife the other. But again. I know that you're in a unique situation, so uh, it, w once you get a routine down, you'll get used to it. But yeah, the beginning will be a little tough. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> All right, uh, this day in fantasy sports history for the 17th of June, we've got 1954. Rocky Marciano wins his third heavyweight boxing title, and he did it at Yankee Stadium back in 1954. And so, start off with a little boxing on the show. And I know that boxing, uh, Joe, is something close to your heart, so your family must have been. Maybe they were Rocky Marciano. Oh, no, no maybe about it. Uh, you can make all the Italian Brooklyn stereotypes you want. Yes, very much so uh, Rocky Marciano, kind of like in the uh, the classic bit in Coming to America. Rocky Marciano, Rocky Marciano. Uh, he, he whooped Joe Lewis's ass. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, you have this moment there. I remember there were actually a couple little pictures of my grandfather who was a boxer in Hoboken. Not a very good one, but a boxer nonetheless when he was growing up in the Hoboken area and as an amateur, and uh, Rocky Marciano was one of those gods of boxing. Him, Jack Dempsey, those were kind of the two big guys there for him, and he loved Ali as well. He thought he was just in, in, just incredible, different than anybody else. But Rocky Marciano was one of these iconic figures. <laughs> you he know, if you, if you were an Italian uh, in New York, and, and especially somebody who watched boxing and all, he was one of those you know, those deities of, of boxing and, and of the Italian-American community, too, because, you know, it wasn't until DiMaggio and Marciano and some of these people in the 50s that you saw a kind of Italians on that big stage. It took a, a little while for that to happen, but Marciano was certainly one of them and one of the great fighters, too. A lot of people will tell you the heaviest hands of anybody. And, you know, what that means is certain guys, when they hit you, you feel it a little bit differently. It hurts. And Rocky yeah. Marciano was one of those guys. <laughs> All right, 1960, Ted Williams hits his 500th career home run. We've discussed this before. We'll discuss it <laughs> again. Uh, Ted Williams missed time uh, being in the military and certainly probably would have had 600 home runs had he continued to play out his career. He actually uh, had to take two different breaks to fight in two different wars. Uh, 1992, the Philadelphia 76ers do something that was just so unheard of at the time, trading essentially their franchise player. They trade Charles Barkley to the Phoenix Suns. Barkley essentially at that point had had enough of Philadelphia. They didn't quite have the success, Joe, that they thought that they were going to have with him in the six, seven-year period. He goes to Phoenix and immediately makes that team in a, into a uh, contender. And had it not been for Michael Jordan, maybe the Phoenix Suns end up winning a championship. Yeah, I was trying to remember who he was uh, traded for. Do you recall? Because I think I've got the names here. Uh, let's see. Off the top of my head, I did not check. So 76ers get somebody from Phoenix. So who would have Phoenix traded at that time to? It was uh, a pretty good guard back in the day. Jeff Hornacek. It was certainly a Jeff guy Hornacek, that, uh, yes, very good. Yeah. Tim Perry and Andrew Lang. Uh, Hornacek, I remember. I remember all three, but yeah, Hornacek was, uh. Good shooter. And then Hornacek ended up not that long later, if memory serves, Utah, on the right? Utah, right, on those yeah. teams that went back to back to the finals there, too. He was kind of the shooting guard on that team with Stockton. That was quite a backcourt there. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we go from 1992, two years later. Everybody knows where they were when this was going on. <laughs> O.J. Simpson goes on that slow speed Ford Bronco chase with Al Cowlings. By the way, you know, I was debating this. It's interesting yesterday. Uh, Al Cowlings' birthday was yesterday. And I was wondering, do I put Al Cowlings in this show? Like, I don't no. know. Does he no, have I that kind of catch? I mean, I did not. I did not. I chose not to. But anyway, O.J. Simpson um, goes on that Ford Bronco chase. And, of course, uh, a litany of things happened, you know, from then. Where were you? Because I, I know everybody has a story about it. Do you have a story of where you were when this started happening? Because it was uh, one I, of those moments. I actually do. I, I, I do. I remember what happened was I was at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I was driving home uh, from Gainesville to uh, North Miami, which is a five-hour drive. And I remember it's something starting before I left and getting to Miami 
and turning the TV on, and it was still going on at that time. I'd be thinking, wow, like, I mean, that, that, but I know that that happened on that day. Yeah. And, and it was a, a finals game, wasn't it? Houston. Yeah, I was going to say, it was the Knicks. Here's how I remember it, too, because I, I was at a, I was, let's see, a, a junior, I think, in high or sophomore to junior year of high school. It was a friend's Sweet 16. We're all there. It was at some like hotel place, right? And the bar had the game on. So a lot of the guys would be like kind of dipping out of the Sweet 16 and all the stuff going on to watch that. But all of a sudden on the other TV was this Bronco chase. So you had half the bar watching this, half the bar watching the Ford Bronco, the other with the Knicks. And you're just and this poor girl, she's like, where's all my friends? Where is everybody? And everybody's going, I, I, thought, they, I thought they switched away from the NBA game. To, uh, they to, might have. But like I said, yeah. in New York, they might have had a local feed or Maybe something they like had that at the time. Yeah. Because of where I was, that could have been it. They might have switched over on MSG potentially for it. I think they. Uh, I think during the game they had the little. Th- they had the little picture, too. picture. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is still to this day. I think one of the most bizarre things I, that we've ever I, seen happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that up until now with this virus, I think that that may have been the most transcendent moment in the world, like what we were all doing at the same time. Really. Yeah. Uh, 2008 Boston Celtics win the NBA title. They get Kevin Garnett and, uh, you know, and, and Gray Allen and, and get Paul Pierce and all these kids together. And they end up winning a title over the Lakers. It was good to see Boston get prominence back. They win that series four to two. It was pretty short lived, but at least they get it at that time. All right. Uh, this day in fantasy sports birthdays for June the 17th. And we'll start off with a Hall of Famer, Joe, on the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and a very, I want to say a very, very nice man. I'm happy to say that I've met Dermani Dawson many times. One of the really nice, genuine guys in sports. And, um, you know, I'm happy that he got in the hall of fame, I think about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and, and more offensive linemen really need to be recognized. As a matter of fact, they have to put five guys in every year. I would like to see at least one offensive lineman get in every year because these guys are taking the punishment Yep. These guys are having the short careers, and these guys are arguably as important or more important than anybody else outside of the quarterback on the football field, but yet they never get recognized. Well, recently you have the Fanicas and the Baselli's and guys like that, and the Mawai's on these lists and, and these eligibility factors, and uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Damani Dawson was a terrific player, uh, absolutely Hall of Fame worthy. What makes it difficult is it's difficult to – uh, to compare them, you know, because statistically, like, what are you looking for in the stats? Yeah, right? it's impossible. This is, this is the problem: is you have to go off of the guys who played with them, the guys who played against them, and the people who watch them more than anybody. Because it's the people who know that, and I think they should even make a select committee, perhaps in that, who really understand offensive line play on a higher level, <clears throat> and and target some of these guys because it is so difficult. You know, you got sacks, you got touchdowns, you got all these things on both ends of the ball, but. One thing you really don't have is understanding of protection. There are some deeper stats now, but unfortunately that's now. So it's it's not going to help the guys who played in the 80s and the 90s so or even before that. So I am all in 100% with you. More offensive linemen, we need to be recognizing them too because without those great offensive linemen, you don't have Emmett Smith. You don't have rushing records. You don't have quarterbacks that play for 20 years because of that. You don't have the Tom Brady's and Peyton Manning's of the world without great offensive line play. Yep. Uh, let's move on to 1966. Not not a huge NFL name, but somebody that I had on fantasy teams in the past. I wanted to make sure I got his name in today. Fred Barnett. <laughs> when Randall Cunningham was at the peak of his career, Fred Barnett was an absolute beast in fantasy. This guy was a rock solid, maybe even borderline wide receiver one, probably more of a wide receiver two. But, uh, Joe, those 50, 60-yard touchdowns, they were going to Fred Barnett a lot. So I to make sure <laughs> These I were the it. Kelly Green Eagle years, if memory serves. They like go Fred Barnett, right? The, the, the different color green they used to have. Yeah. Uh, there's a name I have not thought about in a long time. No, man. and that's why I wanted to bring this it is up. Like, I, this I had him in fantasy. So yeah, man. This has got to be like the Jerome Brown, Reggie White kind of era of the Eagles, man. And those were some good teams. And that, that was the team... Now, I don't know if Barnett was on this team in particular, but that was also that era where they played in the Fog Bowl against the Bears, which, again, I remember watching that game with the Eagles and the Bears on TV and saying, I've never seen anything like this. This is kind of weird. Dad, is this weird? Why can't I see anything on television? Why can't they see each other? What's going on with this fog? (laughs) Yeah, uh, 1992, Fred Barnett catches 67 balls for 1,083 yards and five touchdowns. I guess he was hurt the next year. I mean, that goes back too far for me to remember what happened. Uh, Comes back the following year, 78 catches, 1127, five touchdowns. In 1992, he averaged 16.2 yards per catch. In 1994, he averaged 14.4 yards per catch. So I remember him as that, (laughs) a guy that was catching a lot of long passes and long touchdown passes. 
1980, Venus Williams, one of the greatest women's tennis players of all time, was born. So happy birthday to Venus. Uh, 1991, UC Kikuchi, who came over last year from uh, overseas with all kinds of fanfare. There's some in Seattle who felt like this was going to be a much better year for Kikuchi. We'll probably not know if it was or not, regardless if there is a season. But Kikuchi's birthday is today, so happy birthday to him. And uh, we are on a run of Jets wide receivers. We'll see if we have one, another one tomorrow. But we got uh, Jamison Crowder, born in 1993. I think most <laughs> people would remember him. Uh, I mean, he's still playing, but most people would associate him as a member of the Washington Redskins. But certainly, he was the Jets' top guy last year, or close to it. He and Robbie <clears throat> Anderson. No, absolutely. And uh, Crowder and Darnold seem to have a really good thing going on. I think at PPR leagues, this is a guy to keep your eye on as kind of a fourth wide receiver, a guy that could fill in on bye weeks. And yeah, it's a it's a storied list, Craig, when you go from the Jericho Cotteries of the world to the Jamison Crowders. It's it's a legacy, if you will, of Jets wide receivers over the years. But uh, all joking aside, Crowder is a talented guy, and I think he's exactly the kind of wide receiver out of the slot there that I think will help uh, Darnold continue to grow. And you've got Mims there too. You've got some guys there that can make headway, but it's uh, you're asking a lot of this Jets offense in 2020. Yeah. PPR guy though. You know, it's like you get, you draft your two wide receivers and then you're sitting there in the 14th round or 12th round. And it's like, Oh, I don't like any of these guys there, but you know, Cole Beasley's there and Jamison Crowder's there, right. and you're like deciding, you know, hey, I'll just pick up a guy that catches five balls for 60 yards and get my 11 points every week, and that's sort of what Jamison Crowder will provide. And a couple of weeks, he'll probably do 10 catches for 100 mm-hmm. yards. So that's uh, that's part of who he is. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the Madden cover and whether or not this whole thing is real or fake. I think it's been debunked at this point, but worth mentioning as well. It was announced yesterday who's going to be on the front for those of you who play that game. Uh, also, Colin Kaepernick endorsed by the commissioner, Roger Goodell, to sign with someone. Some people are saying too little, too late. I think Joe and I both disagree with that. We think he's going to end up on a football team uh, at, ver- at the very least in training camp in the preseason. So hopefully some team gives him a shot. But who would give him a shot? We'll dive into that conversation next right here on Sports Grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Joe and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We have a weekend show as well. You can go back and watch On Demand on our YouTube channel. We're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. And welcome back, Craig and Joe here with you as uh, Joe and I are a little bit on the older side, but we certainly can mix it up if you guys want to play Madden out there in the future. Uh, I mean, we are home quite a bit. A lot of us are, you know, pseudo quarantined at this point. And I would guess that very similar to MLB The Show, uh, you know, Madden is going to take hold in June and July. A lot of people will be interested in playing that. Naturally, we'll have the outrage for people who are disappointed with their scores. I never quite understood all that, but that's out there as well. But the announcement was official yesterday, Joe, and Lamar Jackson is on the cover of the uh, new Madden. And so um, I-, I don't know. I've never been one of those people to be superstitious. <laughs> I have. I am one of those people that that does feel that karma in the end. Maybe I am superstitious because I do feel that karma is a funny thing, and I think that you know it, it kind of comes back around. Uh, but in this particular case, I don't know. I think it was just bad luck with these guys getting hurt being on the cover. Honestly, uh, it probably was. It was probably a little ironic. But look, there's been some guys who have bucked the trend recently. Brady. Had a good year when he was on. Um, You've also got uh, Patrick Mahomes last year winning a Super Bowl. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Of course, then you've also got Antonio Brown, who some people would say a couple years ago, that was enough Madden curse to kind of end the curse. (laughs) When when did it start? With Peyton Hillis? Was that the first Uh, one? Hillis was definitely one of them. I can go back for you and let you know. But, I mean, there's been some guys there. Peyton Hillis was definitely one of them. Oh, Michael Vick was out for the year, yeah. Um, yeah, Michael Vick was out for the year, but also, you know, Michael Vick, one of the great Madden players of all time. 
by the way, and people should uh, recognize that and recognize that Lamar Jackson's probably going to be in that same ilk. And I'll see if I can get Matt Franciscovich on the show from EA Sports, who writes for the uh, Fantasy Black Book, because I think uh, he would be the best person to talk about all these things. Um, I don't know. Did Barry Sanders retire after he was I'm like? I'm trying to I'm trying to go back and look. He may at have. I don't remember. I don't really Phyllis recall. was definitely not a good one. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's got some people. It's got the, the breeze of the world. Maybe. Adrian Peterson was on there. Uh, there was also the one year where they had Paul Amalu and Larry Fitzgerald, which was kind of fun. Like, I don't know why it's always just one guy. Like, it's kind of cool to have two guys. It should on be the regional. I mean, they should print <laughs> regional ones, I think. So. Ooh, that's an interesting idea. Regional covers, I wonder, or special edition covers. It's, it's kind of funny. They, they haven't uh, they haven't done that yet. That's actually weird. I might have to bring that up with him and figure that out. But, you know, you go through the list of some of these guys. I think Peyton Hillis kind of shows up as that one that right, just kind of came out of nowhere. They put him on the cover of Madden and things didn't go well. But I don't think we can blame Madden for that. I think we can blame the Browns for that, right? I think that's fair. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, moving on from the Madden cover to potentially the cover of somebody's program this upcoming football season. Uh, you wonder if Colin Kaepernick could possibly be on the cover of a program, one of those NFL game day ones. I know that they used to make them. I don't know. Maybe they don't anymore, but uh, I have a few. So uh, it was announced, and we talked about this at the top of the show. You can go back and watch On Demand. We briefly discussed the idea of Roger Goodell essentially saying at this stage he would like to see Colin Kaepernick signed uh, with a team. He endorses that. And this is a complete 180 from where we have been from the last three years. And so I thought it would be an interesting exercise before we have the odds. And essentially, I guess I'm kind of giving away my fan duel odds here. If they post it, maybe we'll see if these three teams show up. But uh, I have an idea, Joe, as to where I believe that the potential landing spots would be. So let's take a quick look at Colin Kaepernick. Now, of course, he hasn't played since 2016, and I I forgot how bad their record was that year. They were 1-10. I didn't remember that at all. But uh, he had 16 touchdowns and four interceptions and threw for over 2,000 yards and rushed for 400 yards in that season as well. <laughs> now, the year before, he wasn't very good. No. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens in terms of if he can rebound and if he can be the same player that he was three years ago. That's definitely in question. Uh, but the three teams that I have pegged here, and I'm sure that there are more, and I am sure I'm forgetting someone, but... Uh, I've got the Rams leading off. I, I still believe that's the place either for Cam Newton or for Kaepernick. And uh, look, at this point, you go in with Jared Goff as your starter. But I think that they have to at least consider the fact that maybe that turns out to be a bad contract. And do you want to get halfway through the season and not have a great option behind him? Uh, if it's not Newton, I think Kaepernick would be great to bring him in. Uh, the Lions, too. I mean, do the Lions really have a strong backup quarterback, or do they have an opportunity? And if I am Kaepernick, I'm thinking, okay, Stafford missed a lot of time last year with a back injury. What happens if this creeps up again? That certainly is a possibility. And the Steelers, we've discussed, don't really have any options there. And that happens to be a team that is very diverse and always uh, very at the forefront of, uh, of, of, I think, you know, making a statement. They hired Mike Tomlin, one of the few uh, teams in the NFL that have an African-American head coach. And so it would seem to me if there was a fit, it would be there. Although if Roethlisberger is healthy, Kaepernick stands no chance, I don't think, to play on Pittsburgh. But that's what I came up with, Joe, those three teams. I think those are pretty good ones. Uh, I think especially that last one, the Steelers scenario, I was kind of kicking the tires in the idea this offseason of why not sign Jameis Winston? Yeah, he might not play, but at least you have another quarterback in-house. If disaster happens again, you're not going to be so bad as you were last year. And maybe just maybe Roethlisberger, you know, decides after this year, maybe I'm done anyway. Uh, I like the Rams one, too. L.A. was number one on my list also. Um, I also think you have to take into account – the communities of uh, where you might possibly be playing. And I think uh, some of that, some communities might embrace that concept a little bit more than others. I think one that would embrace it quite a bit would be Atlanta. Uh, Matt Schaub's been there forever as a backup for Matt Ryan, but at a certain point, you know, maybe there's room in Atlanta for Colin Kaepernick because I think the community there would certainly get behind that notion. Uh, very predominantly African-American city of Atlanta. And I think that's one that I think from a community standpoint would certainly embrace that idea. They've also been through controversies before that fan base, like with Michael Vick. So it's a, it's a, and, and have gone to embrace him over the years as well. So that's one to me. I, I would also not rule out Washington. I know they got a bunch of quarterbacks already. <clears throat> However, I feel like they have seven guys. They do, but I don't know if any of them are any good. So you know what? Let's bring in Colin Kaepernick, too, and let him compete for a job. And I know there's not a lot of preseason games to figure that out. 
But I don't think that would be the worst scenario either because it's another, again, a community that I think would embrace in the city of D.C. I also think that uh, that's there's a need there potentially for a quarterback. And wouldn't that be something? In the nation's capital, what a story that would be. Colin Kaepernick finding a way back into the NFL. And whether he's a starter or not, I think we all agree. Giving him an opportunity is what seems fair because how many guys with less of a uh, track record, with less of a resume, have gotten backup quarterback jobs in the last five years in the NFL? A lot. A lot that we all kind of sit and roll our eyes and make jokes about. And you know sure. what? It's kind of ridiculous at this point. So the man deserves an opportunity. He always did. So give the man an opportunity and let him pass or fail on his own talent in the court. And if you cut him, you cut him, but at least you had him in camp. Yeah, I, I would love to see some odds on this from FanDuel. I, I think agree. It, it would be fun to look at. They wouldn't go just three teams. They'd go more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the case could be made for the Steelers. I think we dove a little bit deeper into their backup options, and there really were none there. But the other part of this is that while it is important for him to be signed, it's also important to know that three years away from playing in the NFL, albeit it was not his fault, is still going to be really difficult, I think, uh, in, in a scenario for him to perform at a high level if that indeed becomes the case and he is playing at a level like he was seven years ago. I think we got to look back on this one, one of the great sports stories of 2020. Now, uh, we are a long way from a season. We are a long way from everything uh, happening in the world. Uh, and the other part of this, too, that will bother me in two months from now is the notion that he is not signed because then we're going to go right back down this road, Joe, again, of wondering why and why didn't anybody sign him? <clears throat> because truthfully speaking, at this point, do you really, I mean, beyond having a physical, and they do have to have a physical, a guy hasn't played in the NFL in three right. years, they got to have a physical. But beyond that, you know exactly what you're getting at this point, and you know what you're getting into. So if, if they're going to execute <sighs> this plan, I would guess that it's sometime this month or next. I would think so. And look, and if he gets invited to camp and gets caught, that's the NFL. Like, he couldn't hack in anymore. Maybe he waited too long, and maybe that's unfortunate. But I think what we're saying here is I, I think even for the idea and the concept of it alone and the hypothetical, give him a shot somewhere. You know, Let, let's let's kind of right the wrong, as it were. And then if he fails on merit or or is a victim of the cap or whatever it is, as everybody in the NFL is, it's just that that's uh, the NFL is a very, very difficult thing to to make then he fails on his own. And I don't think people will have a hard time with that if he gets cut. I think most people will say, yeah, all right, we finally got the opportunity. If he couldn't prove it on his own, then that's fine. There will be some others that say, well, they cut him only because X, Y, Z. It was all dog and pony show in the first place. But you know what? I, I think more people will think it was good that he got the opportunity. And I did find the, all the guys, by the way, in the list of guys previously in Madden who got hurt. It is longer than we thought. Uh, Marshall Falk, Dante Culpepper, Mark, Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb, Sean Alexander, and Vince Young all had injuries the following year. And that was in quite a run of Madden, mm. by the way. So there bad was a luck. lot. That, yeah, it's a it's bad luck. Also, guys who play, you know, those positions. Garrison Hurst, another one that did not go well. He was on the cover? Wow. Yeah, Ooh, Garrison Hurst was on the cover in 1999. If you would have asked <laughs> me, I would have not said that. Uh, Barry Sanders and Dorsey Levins in 2002. Uh, 2000, not also not 2002, just right. to be clear there. Uh, that was another one that the next year was kind of a down year for Barry Sanders by his uh, token. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, I think what happened was, I think in, within that 10-year span, there were a lot of injuries and that's where the curse kind of came from. And I think over recent years, it's been better, but it's been that thing where you see that Madden thing happen and it makes you freeze and go, oh God, do I want to take this player? Because maybe there is kind of weird jinx or something going on. But Brady did it a couple years ago. You know, maybe just putting quarterbacks on it. Maybe that, you know, Brady was okay. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is okay. Lamar Jackson. I mean, maybe we're starting to learn that the quarterback's probably the guy who's probably not going to get hurt. You keep putting the running backs on there. You're kind of tempting fate. It seems like more of a position bias necessarily than a curse, quote unquote. You think you might be right there? No, no curse. It's all bad luck. Right. <clears throat> well, Enough it's also it. Being on the cover of Madden is very prestigious. These are all kids. They like to play. Um no, bad luck is 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 what it is. All right, uh, here's what we're going to do. Coming up, we're going to dive a little bit more into the NFL uh, quarterbacks that potentially you could be looking at in fantasy football who are you know, sort of heading toward the end of their career. Are you willing to take one last shot at some of these guys into the 2020 season? Also later in the program, Howard Bender is going to join us from Fantasy Alarm at Guy. He is right now entrenched in what's called the mock draft army where every single night he's putting on drafts where people can sort of get their feet wet with a little fantasy football as well. And then you may want to stay tuned 
because Father's Day is coming up Sunday, and if you have not yet picked out a gift for your father, and you may not even be able to see your father for whatever reason this week, but you still want to get a gift, um, I can't sit here and say that I would endorse using Cameo because that's up to you. I can tell you in my family, we have used it quite a bit. Oh, and really? And we spent quite a bit of money on Cameo. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh, this is not a commercial for Cameo, but it's I have used it. Like I, it. I, can, I can tell you the experiences that we've had with it, but I can also tell you that they're offering more than just these little 30-second, hey, how are you videos, and they're pretty pricey in some cases. So we're going to knock that out. Coming up next, it's more Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Bish and Joe Pizzapia. We're back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Before we get to some potential... Older quarterbacks in fantasy football, which, by the way, can lead you to the promised land in terms of a championship. They've done it before. They'll do it for you again. Uh, just a quick note, Joe. Yesterday, the NFL announced that my most, uh, my least favorite event in all of sports is going to be brought to Las Vegas. It is the 2021 NFL uh, Pro Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that, uh, that for all the crap that all the other All-Star games take, this one in particular is uh, the worst of them all. Uh, so bad to the point where... I, I decided many years ago when the Pro Bowl came to Miami to make sure that I attended to say maybe I am missing something, and I ended up leaving at halftime. It is uh, just such a, a waste of time, and I'm hoping that now with some of the racial injustice that has gone on in this country, maybe they can divert all of the attention towards something positive like that as opposed to really calling this a football game because it is an absolute joke. Essentially, what they're doing is making up for the missing the draft, I suppose, because they can't have the draft there next year. I believe it's going to be in Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. They've already scheduled that, so it's going to be in Las Vegas in two years from now. But as far as I'm concerned, I, 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 don't, I can say that since I went to the Pro Bowl in Miami, I have not watched five seconds of the Pro Bowl since then. No, uh, you and me both. Uh, I'm not a big fan. I do like the skills competition. That is fun. And I like that they kind of brought that back because that was something they kind of neglected in years past. But yeah, that that's kind of fun to watch these guys do a little obstacle course thing, try to hit the targets and all of that. It seems like they're enjoying that too. There's like a fun little buzz back and forth and they're all hyper competitive and it's it's a good time. It's good TV. I enjoy that. That I will watch and I have watched the last few years of, but no to the Pro Bowl. I don't know why they play it. Just name the thing. I mean, they used to have it in Hawaii and say, hey, well, here's a vacation for everybody. And even still then people didn't want to go. They're like, oh, all right. But I mean- I don't understand what they get out of it. I don't understand the purpose of it. I mean, the guys don't really want to play. Nobody really watches it. So, I mean, it must be something in terms of the event. They must generate some kind of revenue, either that or places are paying them to go and do it. I don't know about this one. I don't understand why the Pro Bowl continues to. And there's no way to fix it because it's football, right? I mean, you can't do it any other time. No, it, there's no other way. No. They should just give awards out at the end of the season and and, uh, and be done with it. And again, I, the Pro Bowl team. I, I attended this thing in person. And uh, it was just it, it was everything that I thought it wouldn't be. But I'm like, you know what? Let me give it a fair shake. But they moved it to Orlando. They moved it to Miami. They moved it. It was in Hawaii. They moved it away from Hawaii. You said it right there. It's a vacation for these guys in Hawaii and it's not good football. It should still be in Hawaii. I don't I don't just maybe it's the field. Or I, don't, I don't understand what the, what the deal is with that. Uh, all right. So uh, looking at uh, Joe, some potential fantasy quarterbacks in the twilight of their career. That is sort of the uh, topic here today. We saw. Yesterday, Tom Brady be, uh, you know, sort of debuting the himself in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform, which, of course, puts everybody in a tizzy. Uh, you know, anything with Tom Brady puts anybody in a tizzy. Mm -hmm. But in this case, he was wearing his jersey. So that was cool to see. Uh, let's uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into this uh, quarterback situation for 2020. Well, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are getting into their 30s and well into their 30s here in the season, then I don't know how much longer they're going to play. And I think it's important for us to kind of take them all individually and talk about what we think they have left in the tank for 2020 and also what they have in the tank potentially in keeper and dynasty leagues because a lot of these guys have been the backbones of many keeper leagues for years and years and certain teams having great success because every year you know you can count on some of these big-name quarterbacks. But when do you get out of the business or when do you transition to another quarterback 
and make sure you're planning for the future. And I think that was really what matters. And let's start with Aaron Rodgers, who I think, you know, when you look at last year, he just barely got to 4,000 yards, 4,002. And Aaron Rodgers is a guy that we're used to having, you know, 44, 4,600 yards, those kind of big seasons, big 300-yard games. He had a lot less of those last year, too. You've seen the Packers offense develop uh, – into something different. It's a lot more run heavy than it used to be. It's a lot shorter passing game than it used to be. And Devontae Adams, look, he has missed some time in the last few years. We've highlighted that on the show. He's still an all world talent. He's still one of the best receivers in the NFL. But at the same time, you look at Aaron Rodgers and you're seeing 26 touchdowns. He's still incredibly efficient, but we're not getting 4,500 yards out of him. We're not getting 30 plus touchdowns anymore. And I'm going to ask you, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers in redraft leagues in 2020? And how do you feel about him as a keeper league asset potentially going forward too? Yeah, I, I think that at this stage of his career, he is he is probably a back end uh, quarterback one. But I think that his name is still going to have him bumped up to levels where he probably shouldn't be. And my guess is this is the last year that you'll see him, uh, at least in Green Bay, as a bona fide QB one. Because I do think that in most twelve team leagues, he'll he'll be a starter for people. And again, he won't be number one. He won't be number six. But I, I certainly, you know, on his name, people sometimes forget what the actual numbers are and and they'll look at him and say, ah, you know, he can still start for me. And and truthfully, he's still an elite quarterback. He's a Hall of Famer in the NFL. And un, until, you know, he, I mean, I mean, you think about it, you mentioned 26 last year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 26 that, touchdowns. That's less than one touchdown a game. I mean, that's that, that's, un, that's unheard of for a guy like that. But on his name alone, he'll be a starter. And his name alone, I think you should be dealing him in keeper leagues right now, because I think his name alone still has a little bit of that. Well, last year, maybe it was just a down year and he still got a lot left in the tank. Look how long Brady's played. Look how long Manning played and all those guys. But, you know, Rogers played a little bit different game than those guys. He's been a lot more mobile. He's been running around the field a lot more. I think there's a little bit more tread on those tires from Aaron Rodgers than the classic stand in the pocket quarterback, which is what Manning and Brady have been. And to a certain extent, Drew Brees, too. Uh, but to me, I think this is the perfect opportunity to get out from Aaron Rodgers. And in redraft leagues, I think there's guys like Carson Wentz who are going to be far better fantasy options. Wentz had a touchdown in every single game last year. I keep pointing that out to people. Russell Wilson didn't do that. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, none of those guys. None of the top five quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, any of those guys did that. But Carson Wentz did, and you can have him almost as a free QB1 as well. Uh, going on to the next one is Drew Brees. You know, with age also comes durability issues, and we started to see that last year. There was an injury there. Uh, we're not used to that. We're used to Drew Brees being an Ironman. But if you also look at the last three years, Drew Brees on the road is averaging somewhere around 217 yards a game, whereas at home it's closer to 300. And that split's been pretty strong the last few years. Now, I love Brees as a DFS quarterback because I can pick and choose those games and pay for those dome performances. But as a season-long NFL quarterback in fantasy football, it's a little trickier because there are those let's call it what it is, mediocre games out there. Plus now you have another year of age. I'm of the mind, Craig, that if Drew Brees had won one of these last two years and didn't kind of fall short of the Super Bowl, that he might have called it quits. But I think at any moment, if he does have that run, that he might leave on top. Are you concerned with that too, keeping Brees past this year potentially? Or is this the last chance you have to get out from him? And can you get anything for him? Yeah, no, you can't. And that's that's the key for the keeper leagues. I think it's a, a conversation that would have had to have a year ago. But of all the players that we're going to discuss, I probably have a higher level of trust for Breeze than any of the others. A little bit of a freakish injury that he that that he endured last year. I do understand there will be situations near the goal line where he could either be uh, lined out as a wide receiver and, and Taysom Hill could come in. But as far as a QB one in fantasy football in 2020, there's no question for me that Breeze is still that guy. Yeah, I think he's still, you know, in that lower down portion of QB1. There is definitely an elite younger tier that has surpassed all these guys, I think. You have you have 10 guys higher than Breeze? Maybe uh, it is. I, I don't, not about I don't know. 10, but I think I think you're right in that conversation. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, we could pull up the black book and we could talk some quarterbacks later in the week. But Tom Brady, another one, too, because Tom Brady, even yeah, last him, year. Him I'll be out on. That's fine. Uh, you look at Tom Brady's stats, they're eerily similar to Aaron Rodgers, 4,057 yards, 24 touchdowns, eight picks. So a little bit more picks, obviously, there, more interceptions for Brady. But a new system, a new place. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing because it's Bruce Arians and it's, hey, let's throw, throw, throw. And the Patriots were more about controlling the ball, short passing game and not taking a lot of chances, playing defense, very different style of football. So the question is, do we believe in Tom Brady having a renaissance and a rebirth with Bruce Arians being able to sling the ball all over the place or... 
are we a little concerned because of the age and because it is a different team, it is a different playbook, it is different personnel, and there really isn't a running game to support, which looks like a quarterback that has been kind of towards the twilight here, obviously, as he gets into his early 40s. So where are you with Tom Brady for 2020? I, I think in, in most of the leagues that that we would play with people who know what they're doing, Brady probably has good value. But in, in leagues where you're playing with your buddies or home leagues, I think he has no value because you're going to be paying an immense tax uh, on Tom Brady this year for his name and the team that he's, gone, that he's going to and the players that he has around him, a wide receiver. People are just going to be so on him this year for really no reason other than the fact that he switched teams. Meanwhile, he won all those years with, with New England – and a lot of times he wasn't the first quarterback overall taken in, in fantasy drafts. Manning went ahead of him a lot. So I probably won't end up owning him in any league because there is a tax and you got to pay that to get him this year because people have such high expectations. I, I could still see him throwing for 25 or 30 touchdowns, but he'll be taken as a top five quarterback in fantasy in most leagues this year, I think. Uh, and if he's not in the experts leagues, he will be in the leagues where you're playing with your buddies. So I'll pass. Yeah, I think Brady is actually an okay QB2 in Superflex. I wouldn't mind taking him uh, there because I do think he's going to be good enough. And to answer your earlier question, too, Drew Brees in RPV is actually number 10. Exactly. I knew he was right that around feels, there. That feels he right. Was number 10, Wentz, Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan, Watson, Allen, Wilson, all those guys, and the elite guys, obviously, ahead of Josh him. Josh Allen, ahead of him. Oh, wow. Well, in fantasy, yeah, you have to because of the running and running. the rushing touchdowns. I mean, that is such a huge win. Uh, all right. I know what you already think about Philip Rivers, so I even don't want to do this one. What is the point of this? I don't know. Just kind of reminding you that, you know, hey, look, I know he threw a lot of picks last year, but still, I mean, he still threw for 4,600 yards. <laughs> I mean, that's like, I don't want to write him off completely. He had a great, he had a great career. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one then. Ben Roethlisberger. His 2018 stats were off the charts. He had 34 touchdowns, threw for 5,129 yards. He had a year off here. He says, I am the best I've felt in years. And maybe he does. Maybe he's right. I guess the question is, how much are you buying into that and how I'll long can Big Ben be? Yeah. I like Big Ben. I like that offense. They, It's like a juggernaut-type offense every year when he is healthy. Uh, injuries you know, clearly caught up to him finally last year. It is a little bit of a dart throw with him because of injuries and not knowing. And I don't know how much training camp we'll get to see, how much preseason we'll get to see. But we're going to have to go off beat writers this year with him. And that's always a scary proposition. <laughs> I, maybe we'll you know, try and acquire some, some inf actual information on him. But uh, he will not be – I would guess he will not be a QB1 for anyone going into the year. I think that's a mistake. I think he ends up at the end of the season as a QB1. Every single year this guy has played, he's been what? Top five, top six quarterback? Outside of the first couple of years, no, where right. it was really more about Bettis and Willie Parker. They were running the ball a lot. But after that, he just became this this superstar quarterback who's who's headed to the Hall of Fame. No no doubt for me, if I'm missing out on all the top guys and I'm bookending a couple of, of quarterbacks with the, you know, my, you know, I get the 11th best quarterback and the 13th best quarterback. No problem. I'll, I'll just ride whoever's Look, hot that week. I, I can even make the case for Roethlisberger over Breeze. And here's why I just feel like Roethlisberger at, at this point in his career, they're going to ask a little bit more of him potentially. And, and again, those road splits we're talking, I mean, that's half of the games that you're running Drew Brees out there where the road splits are just not that, they're really not. Like, you, you, they shock you, and they're in the black book, and I and I kind of drive them home to people. You almost need another quarterback when you have Brees for those other half of the 50% of the games. But the other thing you don't know about Big Ben before we get out of here is, what is he without Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and some of these great weapons that he's had? So now it's really on him to prove how good he can be without elite-level talent because he doesn't have that right now. And with that, we'll take a brief break. It is the end of our first hour of the show. we got plenty more to come, including Howard Bender joining us coming up next from Fantasy Alarm. So stay tuned. More FST here on Sports Grid is up next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 